This is the evening edition of the Daily Podcast Practice Show for Thursday, January 20th, 2022. I'm your host, Rich Grimshaw, putting the P in podcasting through relentless daily practice because if I don't practice, I don't get better. It's good to be here practicing my podcasting skills, and thank you for being here with me on my journey to complete 365 consecutive daily podcast episodes, a journey that I began 334 days ago on February 20th of 2021, and that means this is a milestone episode. It's the first podcast of my final month, just 30 more episodes until I get to February 19th. But I'm going to do one more show on the 20th just to make sure, you know, just so that I don't get uh, ruled out on a technicality. You can find all of these environmentally friendly, ethically sourced, and 100% sustainable podcast episodes over at my website, dailypodcastpractice.com. This podcast is made possible by Wikipedia. No, they don't sponsor it. But, you know, without them, I couldn't do this gig. They make it possible. I support Wikipedia, and you should too. Born on this day in 1920 in Toccoa, Georgia, that's up in the northeast corner close to South Carolina, American actor, screenwriter, poet, and singer known for his roles in westerns and as Dr. Leonard Bones McCoy of the USS Enterprise in the television and film series Star Trek, DeForest Kelly. I'm not sure of the timing, but DeForest moved from Tacoa to Conyers, Georgia with his family sometime in his youth, and then to Decatur, Georgia, which is where he went to high school. He got graduated from high school and was a private first class in the first motion picture unit of the Army Air Forces, which was the primary film production unit of the U.S. Army Air Forces, or AAF, during World War II and was the first military unit made up entirely of professionals from the film industry. It produced more than 400 propaganda and training films, which were notable for being both informative and entertaining. Some notable films from this unit include Resisting Enemy Interrogation. (laughs) It's one of my favorites. Memphis Bell, A Story of a Flying Fortress, and The Last Bomb. Boy, that sounds ominous. All of these were released in theaters. The unit had veteran actors such as Clark Gable, William Holden, Clayton Moore, Ronald Reagan, and DeForest Kelly, and directors like John Sturgis, whom I don't know. But they all served in this 18th Air Force, AAF, Army Air Forces base unit. They also produced training films and trained combat cameramen. DeForest Kelly died of stomach cancer on June 11, 1999, at age 79 in Los Angeles, California. And I'm pretty sure his last words were, Beam me up, Scotty. (laughs) Happy birthday, Bones. Now here's a story from Bloomberg Press, headlined, Teen Cyber Prodigy Stumbled Onto Flaw Letting Him Hijack Teslas. Written by Jordan Robertson and Monica Raymond and posted to the Bloomberg.com website on January 13th of this year. David Colombo, a 19-year-old cybersecurity researcher in Germany, came upon the biggest discovery of his young career 
by accident. He was performing a security audit for a French company when he noticed something unusual. A software program on the company's network that exposed all the data about the chief technology officer's Tesla Inc. vehicle. The data included a full history of where the car had been driven and its precise location at that moment. But that wasn't all. As David dug deeper, he realized that he could push commands to Tesla vehicles whose owners were using the program. That capability enabled him to hijack some functions on those cars, some functions, not all, including opening and closing the doors, turning up the music, and disabling security features, though he couldn't take over the car's steering, braking, or other operations. He said he found more than 25 Teslas in 13 countries throughout Europe and North America that were vulnerable to attack, and that subsequent analysis indicated there could have been hundreds more. He found that the flaws aren't in Tesla's vehicles or the company's network, but rather in a piece of open-source software that allows them to collect and analyze data about their own vehicles. David was able to contact three Tesla owners in Germany and the United States and Ireland before disclosing what he had discovered. He even had one affected owner let him remotely honk the car's horn to confirm the vulnerability. <laughs> yeah, and and <laughs> that's the end of the story, by the way. And this is why I'm skeptical of the whole Internet of Things. I love the fact that we can have control over remote vehicles, but the security can just about always be compromised. There will always, someone will always find a way to compromise it. And so I'm just not comfortable in investing in a lot of these Internet of Things things. I mean, I'm even a little bit leery of investing in any smart home technology, like letting, having smart light bulbs that I can control because I'm, uh, I'm just concerned about hacks and I don't need them. <laughs> so there's that too. <laughs> and that is all for today. Although I leave you with this thought. I've come to the conclusion that if you give a data point to a company, they will eventually sell it, leak it, lose it, or get hacked and relieved of it. There really don't seem to be any exceptions. And that's from Brian Krebs who has a blog over at KrebsOnSecurity.com. It's a great blog, and I highly recommend it. Brian is a very smart guy, and he stays on top of all kind of cybersecurity issues. Let's wrap this up and stick a fork in it because it's done. I'm Rich Grimshaw, and you are invited to join me again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.